It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. All right, let's go. You know, we're going to talk about Washington, D.C. and the Beltway. That's where these guys with titles like White House Correspondent come in handy. <laughs> and uh, Chief Political Columnist and White House Correspondent and Newsmax John Giese on the line with me. Now, John, it's been a long time since I've seen you in person, a long time since anybody's seen anybody in person. But I, Well, to give you, know, you an idea how long it's been, the last time we were together, we were at a conference where John Bolton was praising Donald Trump. Oh, my God, that is... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's been a while. So how you first of all, how are you doing down there in the walled up national guarded city of Washington, D.C.? Well, having lived for decades here in the work free drug place, I'm used to a little controversy every day. So the guards out there, the military encampment doesn't bother me that much. I will admit, when you see it, uh, it's a little ominous looking, but you also know you're a little bit safer. Uh, Having said that, our D.C. police was doing a fine job on its own, and I hope gradually local control is restored. Yeah. No, there's a lot of talk of that popping up now. So let's go to what's going on on the Hill. You watch this report on it on Newsmax every day. Uh, you know, some of these things are more the political back and forth, but minimum wage is a big discussion in Washington, Ah. D.C., and you're right there hearing it play out. Uh, Various parties, AOC, Bernie Sanders, the Democrat leadership. Uh, Where is that right now? Well, where it stands is uh, it's a little stymied at this point. The president wanted it included in the COVID-19 package, which comes up for a vote next week and will almost surely pass. This is an old, old ploy in Washington. Take something that's controversial and attach it to something that's less controversial, and it will come into law. And uh, I've seen this happen with defense appropriations bills for years. No one wants to vote against uh, the nation's armed forces. So you wind up putting things in there that are tantamount to pork barrel. But in this case, uh, Joe Biden, a member of the Senate for 36 years, was stymied and frustrated by the Senate parliamentarian, someone who is above politics and approved by members of both parties. Uh, The parliamentarian said simply that this could not be attached to the COVID bill, that it was apples and oranges. So uh, the likelihood is the uh, minimum wage increase will come up as a separate bill and probably will not make it, given the closeness uh, of the Senate and the fact that many on both sides are a little nervous about waging the min- raising the minimum wage at this point because of the damage it could do to small businesses, to the mom-and-pop stores. You and I have watched uh, Washington, D.C. for quite a while, quite, quite, mm-hmm. quite a few years between us. And the gamesmanship, John, is what plays out a lot of times in Washington, D.C., like you just described. You talk about something, you attach it, 
you know, eventually it comes out, well, this can't be done, but you've done the right thing for the base. When you look at Washington, D.C. right now, is there a lot of base play going on? Yes, it is. And let me point out to you, when I came to Washington in 1979, I saw Ronald Reagan's election and him taking office and the passage of the Budget and Tax Act, the historic cutting of income tax rates across the board and um, the cutting of the budget, albeit not to the degree the president wanted. He compromised, as he did while governor of California, and he passed it with Republican and Democratic votes. It would surprise you that members of Congress on the Democratic side from Pennsylvania voted with him. Dick Gephardt of Missouri, later Democratic leader in the House, voted with for Ronald Reagan's tax and budget cut. And it was truly passed as a bipartisan measure as were the civil rights measures before it, Social Security, Medicare, and so many other things. Today, the chances of a bipartisan landmark measure becoming law are slim and none. The conservative and moderate Democrats who voted for Reagan's tax cut are as extinct as the pterodactyl right now. Similarly, there are still some moderate Republicans, such as Susan Collins uh, of Maine around, but their ranks are being diminished by primaries and by retirement after many years of frustration. So we are becoming more like a European system where there is a clear and distinct difference between the parties and no middle ground. Yeah, well, Washington, D.C. is uh, certainly uh, feeling the effects of polarization even more. You know, first, uh, you know, next, John, let's go to the first, I guess if you want to call it international action by the Biden administration. Yes. They notified Israel before the Syrian airstrikes. They gave Russia, you know, a shorter warning, a window. Of course, Russia has a clear Uh, As you and I both know and many know, Russia has a clear interest in Syria with their warm water port and their various actions, even outside of other issues. Uh, So it makes sense that they would give only minutes of warning to Russia, but of course notify Israel uh, because of our cooperative relationship. But, you know, the first thing to pop up in, if you want to call it the media world, is the Jen Psaki tweet that she Mm -hmm. put out in uh, 2017 about foreign strikes, tweeting also what is the legal authority for strikes. Assad is a brutal dictator, but Syria is a sovereign country. So is she going to circle back if you ask her a question on that? Well, remember something. Congress, and this was a rare example of bipartisanship, was willing to give Barack Obama the tools to uh, lash out at Syria for its use of nuclear weapons. And uh, uh, when he was poised to do this to the point of reporters being briefed by the Pentagon on where the strikes would be, he backed down and turned to Russia, uh, saying that President Putin assured him he would get uh, President Assad to dismantle his chemical weapons. 
And uh, as another former president would say, he choked on that one. Others say it was the right move, that the U.S. had no business intervening in that. Now, the Jen Psaki tape, uh, tweet and the comments that are coming from the White House would indicate that a strong hand is going to be taken against Assad. And um, similarly with Russia, the U.S., I might add, has another beef with Russia, the imprisonment of Alexei Navalny, the opposition leader to Putin. And we may be facing uh, very strong sanctions against Russia, along with those placed on them right now. So we have two crises in the works uh, that are shaping up to possibly spell a difference between the current Democratic president and the last one. Uh, Russia not ha- not only had some of the great chess players of all time, but I wonder, John, you know, thinking about this thing yesterday and when I saw this all develop this morning, Russia has a weapon they've used over time. Things happen in other parts of the world, and they put pressure on the European Union. They turn off the spigot, and we're in the middle of winter. Yep. So this strike occurred in winter. And Russia has the spigot and natural gas for much of uh, Europe, actually even for some of the northeast in the United States. Remember, those ships are on their way to deliver from Massachusetts and others, a great amount of the LNG. So, you know, are we going to possibly see, and I know you can't answer the question, but I wonder if we're going to see Russia play chess by putting pressure somewhere else to come back to the United States. Well, it would be very uh, logical for the Putin regime to use the gas as a major chess piece, at least a queen, possibly, in the moves that it would make. On the other hand, remember something. As I said, we already have sanctions against Russia. The Russian expatriates are now calling on the United States and the European Union to go along with global Magnitsky sanctions. And by that, it means not only sanctioning individuals within the Kremlin, but also businesses that prop up the Putin regime. Their goal is very clear, to stir up people in the streets, some of whom have already been out there in the name of Navalny, and bring down the government. Now, again, that's something President Biden is going to have to weigh because the question with Russia uh, is always what comes next. And we've been wrong about it the last three times. So, again, there's a lot to deal with. I might add that I was in a virtual news conference broadcast from London, and the person who advocated the stronger targeted sanctions was himself a chess player, Gary Kasparov. Well, we will see. By the way, as a, I guess I would have to say former, because I haven't played in a wide in a while. It's <laughs> going to be the mid game, which is where we is on this. And uh, Putin is certainly uh, willing to play, willing to play that uh, that gambit when he needs to. What else is going on in Washington? You're down there walking that line that <laughs> I have walked by and well, seen you do many times uh, by the White House. Yeah, and I will give you what the latest inside report is from Newsmax, and that is that the nomination of 
uh, near a tandem to be the Office of Management and Budget Director is dead on arrival. Uh, the White House cannot get a single Republican to vote for her because as a popular radio and cable news guest, she has used some uncomplimentary terms about people of both parties. I like to say she's an equal opportunity annoyer. Uh, they won't vote for her. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin said that she is adding to the toxic atmosphere of politics. Therefore, it seems to be that the path to confirmation, contrary to what Jen Psaki told us on Monday, is very, very limited. And David, I've seen this game for years, happening with just about every president I covered. When a nominee's nomination becomes out of the question, the nominee, it's herself or his self, will ask the president to withdraw his or her nomination. And I expect that will happen in a matter of days with Ms. Tandon. Now, do you really care about who heads the Office of Management and Budget? Probably not. If not her, he'll get, say, Jared Bernstein, an economist and member of the Council of Economic Advisors. But it also shows something is not exactly poo-perfect within the White House staff. And when one does not get a nominee confirmed at the beginning, it makes for a very acquiescent opening of the administration. So I would just say, uh, put in more simple language, a black eye. Yeah, we will see how this all plays out in due time. That's why I keep an eye on you. That's mm. the truth. And I walk the straight and narrow because your eye is on me, David. Thank you. <laughs> John Giese, my friend, good to hear you. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other again soon. I look forward to it. I take it it will not be at a conference where John Bolton praises Donald Trump. I'm not going to put that one on the table in Vegas. <laughs> All right, John, you have a nice, uh, safe day. Hopefully it warms up a little bit more for you. Yes, thank you. Blessings to you and yours. Bye-bye. Chief political columnist and White House correspondent at Newsmax, John Giese. John, John knows uh, what's going on in D.C., has for many years. You should follow him on Twitter as I do at John Giese, G-I-Z-Z-I. I'll be right back. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.